You know, I pull down the curtain and then, it, you know, I turn on the mic and away we go in the BDSM studio. Of course, it's Brian's Dungeon of Sex and Magic. Not what you were thinking, Jack, but whew, uh, wow. You know, this uh, this kind of came out of nowhere. Um, so to give it the tech angle, uh, there is the app or extension or add-on, depending upon what browser you're using uh, and what platform you're on, because it is an app on Android and iOS, uh, called Pocket by uh, its own, now it's owned by uh, Mozilla, who of course create Firefox and it's baked into Firefox these days. Um, I don't, other than a little bit of, well, actually Mozilla said that they opened up Pocket. So I was going to say there's a problem with closed source, but they, but they opened that up. So whatever. Anyway, um, I don't really have a problem with Pocket. And in fact, one of the helpful things about Pocket isn't actually using Pocket itself, but Pocket puts out uh, more or less a daily newsletter of what is really based upon the, the the various data that they collect, okay, uh, you know, through the use of their of their extension or add-on or app of Pocket. And what it does is is it takes the most popular stories. There's some sponsored stories in the, in there as well, but they tell you when it's a sponsored story. But they take what are pretty effectively the most um, uh, uh, like saved and pocketed, as it were, uh, stories. And they they put it out as a as a newsletter, as an email for. So, I mean, it's a way of getting articles that everybody's kind of reading and that are that are, you know, genuinely popular. Now, a lot of the articles are pure bullshit. There's some gems in there, though. And so that email is something that I get way more use out of than I would ever use pocket for. Uh, So anyway, I got an email a few days ago and this story. Now, again, the stories aren't tailored to your usage or anything like that, because well, I don't even use Pocket. Like, <laughs> like I, I really don't use that technology. Uh, you know, I don't say stories like that. I mean, I do bookmarks. I have, you know, a bookmark folders that'll, yeah, ooh, <laughs> it'll drive you wild. But um, yeah, I don't really use Pocket, but I do make, you know, excellent use of those emails that you get, which you can get them too. Uh, you know, you just, just whatever, sign up at Pocket and, and you end up getting those emails. Uh, but this article was something that I, I'd kind of been looking for, like that I had been hoping for, because I couldn't really get. All right. All right. Let, let's back this up a little bit. There are a lot of ideas. OK, so I'm an anarchist. All right. Um, I I don't again, I don't really put a, a, you know, a suffix or prefix before that. Generally, generally, if I have to, I you know, I pin it down to egoist, but um but I'm an anarchist and I live in New Hampshire and I am surrounded not just, you know, in New Hampshire, but also in uh, online, you know, by a lot of libertarians and anarcho-capitalists and other types of anarchists and all that. Uh, and, you know, there was a time, full disclosure, where I didn't mind the term of being called a libertarian. Um, I still get it that it would be used on me at, at various points and whatever. I, you know, depending upon the venue, I don't know how much I'd care. Uh, and also, where maybe I identified as like an anarcho-capitalist. Okay. So, but there are a lot of reasons why I've you know walked away, uh, in a very real sense, from some of those circles. I mean, you know, my orbit. It's, it's I still end up in that orbit and everything. And and all again, all of that's fine. You know, I speak at Liberty events. I attend Liberty events and all stuff like I, you know, I, I get it. But I see trends a lot of times of things and ideas that become popular within these social circles where understand 
Like normally I w- why would I give a shit? I don't care. But the social circles are all about like you know, they want to get rid of government and put another kind of society in place. All right, what kind of society do you want to put in place? You know, or do you want to naturally outcrop? And they don't want it to just naturally outcrop. Just listen to some of these fucking philosophers. They have an idea, you know, of exactly how this has to look for everybody. You know, I mean, really, they, they, they do. And there's nothing wrong with having an idea of how you want the world to work. I have ideas of how I want things to, you know, fly, at least with, you know, the people that I care about. Uh, you know, not so much. I don't want to tell everybody what the fuck to do. But a lot of these people are. Uh, and and look look it's true they they do want to tell everybody what's what what to do because they make it very clear that no you can't be communist if there are any communists uh, uh freedom is in danger at all times okay well then you just prescribed that everybody has to do things this way <laughs> so you're full of it if if you're saying you really want to leave you know that a lot of these people want some some want to leave let other people practice different economic models and all this but a lot of them absolutely do not i mean they just don't and tell me i'm wrong tell me you don't encounter those people are they stupid sure but tell me you don't encounter encounter those people there's plenty of them um so but some not so stupid people espouse some pretty some ideas Uh, that I think are not conducive to the human condition. Again, we're not talking about economics here so much. We're talking about like, like, you know, the philosophy of living, the art of living uh, or the manual for living. In fact, which the philosophy I'm about to talk about, that's one of its primary texts by Epictetus, that being the Enchiridion, which is considered the manual for living. Um, And the philosophy we're going to talk about is Stoicism. It's one I get asked about a lot. I've talked about briefly on Patreon episodes, and I've also mentioned on Sovereign Tech Prime episodes. Uh, It's a philosophy that I am staunchly against. Uh, I mean, can people practice it and go on about their lives? Sure. But to put the word freedom, to put the word, you know, the terms like choice and liberty and all this other stuff next to next to stoicism, to put individualism, say, next to to stoicism is a, a misnomer and nay a crime, in my opinion. And there's a lot of people that do it. A lot of people that are, you know, maybe in the liberty space, maybe bigger names than myself and whatever. I don't want any kind of celebrity. That's fine. Uh, but yeah, so Stoicism. Uh, there was an article that, again, appeared in one of these pocket emails, and it's a very, in fact, this is the title of it. My Incredibly Simple Guide to Stoicism. Learn Wisdom You Can Practically Use. And it's by Tim Denning. Now, Tim Denning is one of these, if you've listened to recent Sovereign Prime episodes, we've talked about kind of the bullshit of success bloggers. He's one of these guys who's into this whole success blogger shit. So, there's already strikes against that. If you haven't listened to my screed against success bloggers and and like, yeah, more, I don't want to say entrepreneurial bloggers because there's people that, that espouse entrepreneurship that are doing solid, incredible work. Um, but these success bloggers, if you haven't heard that, just go to my YouTube channel. Um, I, I made a separate, a whole separate little video of my screed uh, against these, you know, success bloggers. So, all right. Uh, so that, so this is from Tim Denning. Now, I mean, the, the usefulness of this is this is what if here's the thing. A lot of people talk about how, oh, I find stoicism so useful. Oh, I love stoicism. Oh, I'm reading this. I'm reading this book by Ryan Holiday. Oh, I'm reading this book by Tim Ferriss, you know, about stoicism and all the shit. And oh, it's really changed my life. Oh, it's really helped me out. Blah, 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 blah. Look, if, if things make you happy, they make you happy. And, and who am I to tell you what to do? 
All right. But understand that these people are not, you know, this article that I'm about to read and uh, rebut, okay, is is really the pop stoicism. And that's really what it is. It's the pop stoicism that people are generally encountering. These people aren't going back and reading Seneca, Marcus Aurelius, uh, Epictetus. They probably, I mean, every time, every time I fuck, and I know I'm not pronouncing it wrong. Every time I've talked to somebody who says they're really into stoicism and I mention Epictetus, they usually say, what about potatoes? Literally, that's what they fucking say. Are you kidding me? So these people don't actually go back and read kind of the source material. And eventually when you peg them down a bit about it, because you'll mention you'll you'll talk about quotes from Marcus Aurelius, from Epictetus, you know, from from all of these different characters, you know, Seneca and whoever else, you'll you'll mention these quotes to them and they're like, Oh yeah, but no, I just I just like what's useful out of stoicism and I just go for it. And, and hey, I get it. OK, yeah, that, that there's nothing wrong with that. Taking what's useful from something that you read and going forward. That's a wonderful practice to do. OK, but usually then I mean, then they're like, well, but this is what stoicism means. You know, it's not the historical thing. I don't want to talk about the historical stoicism and all that. And it's like, OK, well, I mean, that, that's kind of problem number one. Right. Is that then you have no actual historical basis for your philosophy if you're not going to, you know, accept the other people that are a part of it, whatever. Um, so anyway, so this is what's really nice about this article. I'm actually glad is as enraged as I probably will become uh, <laughs> while we're going through this. I'm glad this article exists because finally it's this concise uh, uh, breakdown of pop stoicism today that everybody's saying is so goddamn helpful for them. So I want to I want to go through this. Uh, in fact, I like I posted in the Sovereign Tech Uncensored Facebook group. I said, you know, I'm about two seconds from jumping into the fucking studio and, and just just giving this article a good thrashing. Uh, and well, here I am doing it. So <laughs> live to tape, folks, live to tape. Uh, anyway, my incredibly simple guide to stoicism, learn wisdom you can practically use. So we're going to break, we're going to go line by line or not line, not every line, but we're going to break this down. I'll stop at certain points and I will comment and, and bring it up. And folks, if you're wondering, yeah, I absolutely consider myself a hedonist. Look, if you go to Wikipedia and you type in hedonism, I say this all the time. You know what's going to come up? It's going to come up with ethical hedonism. It's going to come up with the philosophy. It's not going to come up with, oh, drinking drug or drinking, doing drugs and rock and roll and blah, blah, blah. You know, not that I have. I mean, I have nothing fucking wrong with any of that. OK, I'm just saying that, you know, what you think of as hedonism is not what academia what any you know, what what is really hedonism. OK, I mean, it, it's. Well, we could get into a whole conversation. I have another video on my YouTube channel if you want to watch about hedonism where I, I you know, break that down as well. But anyway, I want to talk about this. So, all right. Uh, my incredibly simple guide to stoicism. Learn wisdom you can practically use. Here we go. This is Tim Denning uh, writing. I've been inspired to learn about stoicism for a while. Really, have you, Tim? The problem I've had is that it's one of those topics that people love to complicate. The reason for the complication is that many of the teachings that come from Stoicism are spoken in English from a long time ago. I personally don't have the patience to read this type of writing for long periods. That's why I'm going to debunk Stoicism for you in stupidly simple terms. Uh, the wisdom you get will transform you. You'll gain a you'll gain a different perspective that will help you in all aspects of life. Um, and then there's a quote here. Everyone is is preaching advice, but no one is sharing wisdom. That's what stoicism is. 
so now the, here's an odd term. He's saying he's going to debunk stoicism. Um, and he, he's not, this isn't really a, a debunking um, at all. It, it, it's, it's quite the opposite. I think what he means to say is he's going to break it down for you, not debunk uh, stoicism, because he's trying to prove why it's helpful for you. So, and the simple terms thing, well, we'll get to that in a second. Let's start reading. What is stoicism? In its ancient form of philosophy, uh, or it's an ancient form of philosophy, it was made famous in recent years, again, by Tim Ferriss and Ryan Holiday from the USA. These two gentlemen credit a lot of their success to the wisdom that stoicism taught them. Stoicism began on a stoa, which means porch to you and I. A stoa is where the early teachings of stoicism started. Here is stoicism broken down into insanely simple dot points. So one, stoicism is focused on uncomplicated theories of life. All right, we could stop right there. There are no uncomplicated theories of life. Do you understand? Life is is or life as in maybe I should ask him to define life, but I assume that he means the human condition. He means humanity, the life of the individual Uh, uh, newsflash because there's such a thing as individuals and everybody's different. Everything is complicated. Everything is case by case. Everything is shades of gray. That's one of the big problems here. Okay, is that stoicism is claiming that there are universal ways of living. And I I, I want to read through this article to, you know, to, to where like it kind of discusses that. Now, real quick, what hedonism says is not that there are universal ways of living, but that everybody's different and their pursuit of happiness is unique. And you want to instill the ability for everyone to uniquely pursue that happiness. There is no, in hedonism, there's a reason there aren't massive books on hedonism, okay? I mean, there's, there's some things that describe framework, like The Art of Happiness by, uh, you know, uh, by Epicurus, who, you know, there's other, you know, that's just one school of hedonism. But there's a reason, there's a few reasons why there aren't huge books. Part of the reason is that they get burned by every religion that comes around, because you sure, if you want to have a religion grow, you don't want to tell people how to be happy, because that, that'll fuck with your religion. If people are happy, they need to be downtrodden if they, if they want to stick in religion. Um, but one of the reasons is, is that there's not like these overarching theories to talk about. There's just the simple, you know, eat, drink and be merry. That that's that stoicism or I mean, that's hedonism. Now, you could say that, that well, isn't that simple? No, it's not simple because eat and drink are just metaphors for whatever makes a person happy. But though that is a very complex question, you know, to answer. That, I mean, that like that takes that there's so much you have to take into account and it's for every individual to decide what exactly is that happiness, what that happiness looks like, what their eat and drink in their version of being merry is. So it's not simple. Hedonism isn't simple. Nothing is simple. The human condition, there's not a there's not an aspect of the human condition that is simple. So there's strike one against stoicism and there's strike one. again. I mean, that talk about debunking throws out the whole fucking article right out of the gate. All right. But 
whatever. I mean, and, and look, if you think that this this stuff is it, like isn't complicated, I mean, just talk to people, talk to everyday people about how they identify themselves, how they feel about themselves, and all these different things. I mean, you're going to find a lot of complications there. And oh, if they just applied stoicism, no, no, sorry. Okay, so sorry. Let's let's read on with the with the dot point dot points here. So there's problem number one is that they're saying it, it's uncomplicated. That's horseshit. Life is absolutely complicated. It's nonsense. All right. So stoicism is so clear that you can take action from the advice immediately. Sure, I bet you can. But what the fuck is this advice that we're going to talk about? I mean, or, you know, what, what what is this? What is this amazing advice that you can just kind of go forward with? I don't know. I don't I, I don't get it. Uh, but anyway, let's read on. Uh, study is not required to understand stoicism. Oh, oh, <laughs> I would I would argue very much against this. Because, well, anyway, he's just using, you know, kind of he's trying to break it down into simple terms. Um, I disagree that study is not required to understand stoicism. Uh, In fact, there's a whole reason that it's all on the stoa. It's on the porch because people were studying there in, in groups like with Epictetus and others where they were absolutely studying all day long about all of this shit. So, but whatever. Uh, so, yeah, but that's the thing is, you know, just just give people the high notes. You know, don't let them know the underlying concepts and precepts of what makes up stoicism. That way, you know, you success blogger can somehow get a bunch of clicks or something. I mean, you got my click, I guess. But mine's out of <laughs> out of anger, not out of fucking like, ooh, how can I learn about this? Uh, but anyway, let's read on. Uh, the next bullet or last bullet point is the most read Stoic is Lucius Seneca. Marcus Aurelius is also very popular. Again, like I said, nobody actually reads them. Uh, all right, reading on. Stoicism doesn't focus on the negative like modern day self-help advice does. Stoicism is more a meditative practice that allows us to take the negative feelings we experience and turn them into thoughts that give us peacefulness and perspectives or perspective on life. I'll keep reading. The most important part of learning Stoicism is having the right state of mind. Just like in life, the right state of mind can help us look at challenges in the best possible way. At the crux of Stoicism is a list of reminders and words of wisdom that show how to live a good life. It's not an argument about what is right and what is wrong. The Stoics had no time for this way of thinking. Uh, No, that is completely inaccurate. They are absolutely talking about ethics and right and wrong. That is is a benchmark um, of Stoicism. But I'll read on. Okay, so now let's skip ahead to the best lessons you can learn from Stoicism. I mean, understand. Let, let, all right, let me stop for a second. Understand, this is what I'm saying, is that this is pop Stoicism. What people today talk about with Stoicism, they are not reading the meditations of Marcus Aurelius. They are not reading the writings of Seneca. They are not reading the Manual for Living. Uh, you, you know, they're not reading the Enchiridion by Epictetus, which is a shame because there's some things in the Enchiridion I actually really like, and it's a very short book. It's only like, what, 33, 35 uh, like like concepts, like paragraphs that it, that it describes what to do, but whatever. Um, okay, so I, I mean, like I could quote right from that. So so again, Epictetus is considered one of the one of the greatest Stoics, if not the greatest Stoic ever. Um, the Christians loved him. That might say something, but that's up to you. You don't want to, you know, guilt by association can be a fallacy. Okay, uh, but you know, you can. Seriously, I don't know, get a digital copy of the Enchiridion and do a uh, through like the index and look up the terms right and wrong. They're going to come up constantly because he's constantly talking about it. So 
But whatever. Again, this isn't real. This isn't this isn't historical stoicism. This is pop stoicism. This is hey, look at me, click. Oh yeah, this will this is your guide to life. Yay, you'll be happy just like me. Which I don't know that Tim Denning's so happy. Uh, let's see. We don't. So all right. So here are his major major points of about stoicism. We'll start with the first one here. We don't control events, but we do control what they mean. This is a famous teaching from a lot of Tony Robbins work, too. Oh, boy. Uh, Everything that happens in your life can be controlled by your own mind to be good or bad. Once you understand this teaching, you can take back the power. You become less reactive and a lot calmer. You have the upper hand. Now, in a way, I kind of agree with this one, meaning that, uh, like, say somebody does, somebody says something to you that you find really like, I mean, it's something innocuous, not something like openly racist or some bullshit, you know, but just something innocuous. And it reminds you like their statement, say they, they, they say something about, it's like, uh, Oh, I, um, you know, I ran into, the, I ran into the fire to save that kid. They, they say something like that to you, but then you in your past have this tragic history of where, I don't know, um, you know, somebody ran into a fire, like your mother ran into a fire to save a kid and your mother died because of it. So they've said the statement to you, you are hurt. You think because of the statement, but really it's not because of what that person said or did. It's because of your own past experience that you had that, that you perceive offense and wrongdoing and hurt. Okay. I mean, the hurt is real, but you know, the, the impetus for it wasn't something that, that was, that was wrong. Like it wasn't wrong of them to say that, even though it hurt you. So like, in the, yeah, I kind of get that. And, and I agree with that is that understanding, like having context, okay. In, in, in why a person is saying something where they're coming from is really important. Um, but yeah, so, so, you know, a lot of hurt is, is an inward thing, but not all of it. And that's kind of what he's sort of hinting at here is that, oh no, you know, a terrible things happens to you. Well, if you just think right, it's not a terrible thing anymore. No, motherfucker. When someone's putting the fucking cuffs on you because you were smoking some, you know, smoking some weed or whatever. What, what are you supposed You're supposed to change your thought on that and then make it OK. No, it's fucking wrong. And that person did something wrong to you. you there's no need for you to be in cuffs. It's your fucking body. That's. Problem one with this with this whole notion that, oh, it's all in your mindset. Let's read on this idiot probably believes in law of attraction, too. Uh, okay, let's let's go to the next one. Disruptions to serenity cannot be avoided. Tranquility can never be reached by avoiding or blocking out distractions or horrible events. The way to get to that tranquil place is through your choices and judgment about those events and situations. So I guess to continue with the analogy, not that proof by analogy is proof, but to continue with the analogy, um, see, you know, you know, you just you had to choose to smoke that weed. And so, you know, that like that's on you. The fact that the cuffs are on, that's your fault. That's on you. Uh, sure. To some degree, that's true, but that doesn't mean that the cuffs being put on you isn't wrong. Like, (laughs) yeah, you made the choice, but the choice you made was, was ethical. Like, it's okay. You should be able to do that. Changing your mindset about the matter, like doesn't, doesn't help shit. Let's read on. You must disrupt yourself. Wow, that's that's some ugly ass jargon. OK, reading doing things the way they've always been done will lead you to be disrupted by someone or something who changes with the environment. 
Operating out of habit means you stop thinking and are mindlessly drifting through life. This means you're not in control. And there's a quote here from, I don't know who the fuck the quote's from. Quote, when you lose control, your environment determines your results, end quote. There's a good chance that you're going to think these results suck. The lesson here is break your habits, get out of your comfort zone, and disrupt yourself like a cool, hip startup from Silicon Valley. Now, he's being very basic in this, and maybe he doesn't necessarily mean it this way. Um, But, I mean, he's talking about, you know, hey, be very intentional and all this. But there's something to be said for flow and habits and for breaking things down. And you don't need to be like constantly disrupting, you know, your yourself. Uh, it's great to get to a point to where um, you, you know, you are operating out of habit. That's not all inherently bad, but whatever. This shouldn't even be a part of stoicism. OK, acting intentionally. Yeah. Every fucking philosophy teaches that. That's not that's not just something that stoicism talks about. This is something that every philosophy, every ideology, every, um, you know, I mean, sometimes it's preaching it under the guise of groupthink, but it's all about acting and, uh, you know, acting intentionally and doing things with intentionality. All right. You, you know, to where you're really consciously, you know, doing this and blah, 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 where you consciously choose the habits or whatever. That's not special to stoicism. Every single fucking philosophy pretty much teaches that, you know, to just do what you're doing with a degree of intentionality. Uh, I I don't know many. I I mean, even Buddhism, which is all go with the flow, is, is still all about intentionality. You know, like there's an intention behind why you're even like going with the flow. You're trying to reach that next level so you don't come back as a. I don't know. <laughs> so you don't come back as a frog or something. <laughs> but, but anyway, I'm being sorry. I know. I don't want to get into Buddhism. I, I know plenty about it, but oh, um, and there's plenty of issues with Buddhism as well. So, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, the lesson here is break your habits, get out of your comfort comfort zone and disrupt yourself like a cool hip startup from Silicon Valley. Well, I mean, not now I'm just mincing words, but like there's nothing cooler hip about Silicon Valley startups. Sorry, there's nothing really. I don't think there's anything sexy there. Get over that. Ask anybody that's actually worked at these fucking startups and they'll tell you just how terrible, uh, absolutely terrible they they really are. So, OK, uh, let's um, next. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, in good and bad times, we have a choice. Whether you're in jail or an entrepreneur running the most successful startup on the planet, you have a choice. We all come from different backgrounds and we'll all go through major highs and painstaking lows. Through all of these different circumstances, we have a choice. It's having the freedom of choice that will set us free in the long run. Okay, I'm going to stop there. Yes. Fuck yes. Absolutely. Choice is everything. Free, cho- freedom of choice. Ironically, choice is freedom. Like, like I mean, that's that's almost uh, a redundant statement to say freedom of choice, because choice is the very heart of what freedom is. Options is the very you know uh, essence um, of freedom. So, sure, that is what sets us free in the long run is having choice. No doubt. OK, reading on. It's that freedom of choice that will ensure you don't waste your life away thinking about stuff you can't control. You'll always feel the power of freedom when you control your choices, no matter what life throws at you. Uh, I don't have any real problem with that. Again, that's something that is not unique to stoicism in any way, shape or form, not even remotely close to being, um, you know, to to being something special about stoicism. Uh, Let's read on to the next one. Make it a habit of looking inward. Stoics are obsessed with taking time to look inward. It's something they advocate above all, all of their other teachings. They suggest spending time in the morning to ask yourself questions about your life. As you do this, you'll find the answers to life's biggest questions become clearer in the context of your own life. Looking inwards 
helps you find the answers that you knew all along and thought were hidden inside of someone else or something else. This practice will only work if you're honest with yourself. Don't be too brutal on yourself either. Realize that we all start somewhere and it's where we can go that is the greatest gift we can enjoy. Okay, again, nothing wrong with this. But again, there is nothing special about what was just said. This is something, is it in Buddhism? It's in all these, I mean, most of these ideologies, again, that's part of that intentionality is, uh, yeah, I mean, taking an assessment of your life, uh, you know, paying attention to the things you can control and can control. Fuck, that's even a part of Christianity. I mean, like even though, you know, the craziest of ideologies bake this kind of thing in nothing special here. This is not unique to stoicism whatsoever. Um, in fact, the part that they're kind of leaving out is that you, you look inward, but you don't express it outwardly. And I think that that's a recipe for disaster. Uh, when you kind of hold this stuff in and you walk around like a Vulcan, not to say, Hey, look, understand. Okay. <laughs> on a, on a fanboy level, like Vulcans are sexy as hell. In my opinion, guys and gals, <laughs> I mean, woo. Uh, but, oh, oh man. I mean, they are one of the things that really makes Star Trek sexy, but let's be clear here. You know, this isn't, um, <laughs> you know, holding all this stuff in is not, is not healthy. Uh, all right. Let, let me read on, uh, being paranoid and fearful will destroy you. The antidote to fear and paranoia is self-control. Learn to control your impulses. If you become fearful that others will sabotage your success and you don't remain in control over these fearful thoughts, you'll lose sight of reality. Those fearful thoughts will cause you to project fears onto other people and they'll give you exactly what you fear. In simple terms, fear is a self-fulfilling prophecy. What you put out comes right back at you. Now, that sounds very law of attraction-y, okay? Um, And he's saying, he, you know, understand this. I could accept this article if Tim was just saying, yeah, uh, or, you know, where he was just writing this out. And I was like, okay, well, he's just being very, very basic and, 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 you know, and just simplifying everything. And even though I'm sure there's a lot more to it. But the premise of this article that he put at the beginning of this article, okay, and he's saying that this is the same stoicism that Tim Ferriss and Ryan Holiday are talking about. The premise of it is that, No, it can be completely understood in these simple terms. Not that there is any kind of minutia or uh, that there's caveats or anything like that. He's saying this is the fucking stoic gospel and it can be done in simple terms. So we have to take these terms at face value. Okay. Uh, Based upon the own, his own way that he set up this article. So uh, being paranoid and fearful. No, those aren't inherently bad things. This is and this is going to flow into the next uh, point that this guy makes. Okay, these are not terrible. Being paranoid. Look, you're only. (laughs) There's the old saying, "You're only paranoid if you're wrong." Like being paranoid and fearful are actually biological universals. Like they're they're a part of your. I mean, like we we have. I mean, it's known we've evolved to to, you know, like have a uh, a fear or what would be described as a fearful reaction to things as simple as snakes and spiders. Like that's baked into us. Can we get beyond that? Sure. But I'm just saying is that fear is a part of your biology in, in, in many ways. All right. There is nothing now having like kind of abstract fears of something that could happen in the future. Well, yeah, if that's what he's talking about, I kind of understand that because those fears don't exist. Like it's, it's something that hasn't happened yet, you know. But at the same time, if you have enough experience and you've, you know, you've collected enough experience over life, you spend enough time with somebody or something and you know that, you know, whatever events occur, A plus X is going to equal Y. Then it's okay to be fearful about it. 
it's okay, you know, to, to have your mind kind of go, Chick, oh, I'm going to do something about this before we get to, before A adds X and then does become Y. Fear is not a bad thing. Paranoia, also not a bad thing. Paranoia is, paranoia will save your fucking life and your brain. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you don't want it to like crippling paranoia or something that keeps you in your house or something. All right. But there are, you know, aspects of, of fear, fears that are absolutely legitimate, of paranoias that are absolutely legitimate, and they're okay. And it's okay to foster them a bit. There's nothing wrong with that. And this is, this is, it's kind of, you know, this statement alone, and the next one's going to going to get into it even more, is sneakily p- saying part of that whole, that Vulcan analogy that I gave you, okay, where you need to stuff these things down that you're feeling, okay, or they're saying you need to take control of them, which is just another way of, one of saying, you know, stuff them down. No, you need to feel these things in order to, you know, the, the very, the classic line from, from Nathaniel Brandon, you know, talk about somebody who really got their philosophy down, um, where he said, in order to think clearly, we have to feel deeply. You've got to feel the shit. You have to feel the fear. I mean, you can feel the fear. You know, like I always say, you can feel the fear and do it anyway. All right. You know, just because you're feeling fear doesn't mean that you you have to be crippled or paralyzed. You can feel fear and go forward. But, you know, pay, pay attention to the fact. Go ahead and feel the fear. Know that that fear is there. Trying to ignore it and stuff it away. Oh, no, 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 no. That, that, that's, it's a terrible fucking idea. Because then you don't really know yourself. You don't know who you are. If you, you know, if you don't pay attention to all the feelings that you have going on inside of you. Um, let's go on to the next one, because the next one plays uh, dovetails, should I say, nicely off of this. Anger will not help you. Oh. All right, let me read it. The Stoics believe that getting angry never gives you anything in return. Anger wastes your precious energy and resources and provides no tangible benefit. This is why it's better to practice non-reactivity rather than being pissed off at something you can't control anyway. Anger is like a contagious virus that spreads if you let it. Don't let anger control you. Projecting anger on people can only result in you projecting anger on yourself. That's why anger is also another self-fulfilling prophecy. Fuck no. Fuck no. Fuck that all the way. Fucking fuck it. Fuck it. Fuck. Absolutely wrong. Dead wrong. Anger is completely fucking legitimate. Do you understand? Anger absolutely will give you things in return. Anger is one of the, I mean, you know, we could, maybe we could spend time. I I don't want to do it in this episode. Okay. Because this would be like a whole other episode to do a breakdown. Okay. But when you want to break down emotions and all, you know, and what outcrops from a lot of these emotions and everything, anger is the source is, is part of the source of passion. It's part of love. It's part of a lot. I mean, anger is not a bad thing. You know, a lot of people rip on and I understand why they rip on it on nonviolent communication. You know, one of the things that actually that that made me say, oh, you know what? Actually, nonviolent communication might not be all bullshit because there is a book. And I've mentioned this many times. There is a book written by the guy that effectively created nonviolent communication. Look, I'm not saying get into nonviolent communication. I'm just I'm just putting this out there. Okay, Um, Marshall Rosenberg, he wrote a book called The Surprising Purpose of Anger, and he talks about how anger is an alarm bell. You know, he says, no, no, it's okay to feel angry. You're going to feel angry. Just you need to feel it and you need to understand why you're feeling it. It is not something that you stuff away. It is not something that is not that that's somehow bad or not. okay. no, fuck. It's okay. There's a lot to get angry about. And damn it, get angry about it, because anger will. uh, 
But I don't mean to sound like Emperor Palpatine or Darth Vader, you know, or, or, you know, some Sith Lord or something. But anger really does give you thrust. It gives you ability. It gives you motivation. It gives you power. It's not the only thing that does that. But it's one of them. And it is absolutely useful. This is horse shit. And I'm not even necessarily sure where he got that from. Like that, because... Epictetus never talks about, you know, that the anger is bad. I, I'm not exactly sure what what resource he he's getting that from. But but that that that's utter that is that is total fucking bullshit. If anger didn't have a use, it wouldn't have developed in the human mind. And look, I, you could have the perfect human being that never experienced a trauma in their childhood or anywhere in their life. And I guarantee you. They are still going to get angry because it's a part of the human condition. It's a part of who we are. It's something that we feel. Yeah, I, I don't want. I don't want to get into like a geeky side note, but I'm just going to say this: like, you know, the Last Jedi is coming up, right? December fifteenth, it's coming out, or well, technically the fourteenth. I'm already all ticketed up. Stephanie and I are going to go catch it. It sounds like in the trailers how there's this like it sounds like Luke Skywalker is getting this idea of what's called a gray Jedi, where actually the light side and the dark side, you need kind of both. In fact, when you read the and look, Star Wars isn't like the greatest philosophical, uh, you know, play in the world. OK, but it's it's a popular term that maybe people can can kind of relate to. Uh, even in there's there's one of the new guidebooks. Um, I've got it right here. Uh, absolutely everything you need to know about Star Wars, the updated and expanded edition has, it talks about how like Kylo Ren, how, how, how Snoke says that, Oh, Kylo, the only way he can have real power is if he accepts both the dark and the light because Kylo was born out of the light and he can get trained the darkness. He can become like all the more powerful. I mean, look, I'm, I'm going into fiction. I understand that, but a lot of these have like real philosophical, uh, uh, you know, underpinnings to them. And that's the thing. There is an entirety to the human condition, light and dark, uh, sweet and sour. I mean, you know, pick your terms and you need to experience all of them to be even remotely human. Now, I don't think here, here's the thing. Look, anger doesn't have to be violent. Okay. As in like it, anger doesn't have to, it doesn't have to express itself in physical violence. That's not required. In fact, I dare say this is an old Savzu quote of mine that, that, uh, the best, you know, uh, um, how did I put it? The best anger is never violent. Okay. I mean, like it's okay. And like I said, anger, you know, all these things intertwined, you know, it's part of passion and a life without passion. Fuck that shit. I don't want to ever live without feeling passion without, you know, and, and look, get lost to your emotions. Sometimes enjoy that relish it. Feel it. Give in to the temptation. And, and that way you can experience what's going on. Anger will help you. It doesn't mean it's always a good thing. It doesn't mean to always roll with it or run with it, whatever. It doesn't mean to walk around angry 90, you know, 100% of the time or anything like that. I'm not saying that. But I am saying it is absolutely fucking useful, and there are plenty of goddamn things worth getting angry about, and get angry about them, and let that anger motivate you and do something about it. There are things, I mean, even this is admitting it. Yeah, there's things you can't control, and you can only really control yourself, but there are things under your control that you can do something about. And whatever it takes to motivate you to do something about it, fucking use it. Ridiculous. 
Anger will not help you. Bullshit. I, I, I hear this from too many from too many people that, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you feel anger, you haven't gone through enough therapy or something. What? No. Some people will do something to me or whatever. And and if I get angry about it, that's how I'm feeling about it. I'm mad. That's OK. And you can express it. You don't have to be violent. There's no need to be violent about things. OK, but it absolutely to feel that. Sure. That's part of your inward universe that I thought the Stokes were all about. Next, everything takes up space. Seneca wrote many times that even things you get for free have a cost. That cost is space, space in your garage or even space in your mind. Quote, learning to live with less will create space in your life for the things that truly matter to you. End quote. The aim of the game is to look at your material possession and be honest with yourself. Do you really need that object? If the answer is no, free some space up in your life. What Seneca says here is the reason I have personally given away and sold most of my possessions. I've never been happier. Really? Really? I'm going to make one comment on this, but then the next one, you know, once just like the last did, is going to dovetail into it. Um, I guarantee you that Look, I, I like minimalism. I, I mean, I could live, I, I really, I could live out of a carry-on duffel bag myself. I, I really could. And, and gleefully and, like, very well, and I would be enjoying life to the height living out of a fucking duffel bag. I could pull that off, all right? Um, I mean, hell, right now I feel like I'm living out of my duffel bag <laughs> because I'm always traveling and doing, and doing whatever else that's going on, okay? Um, but... I would not be so comfortable with that concept if it weren't for laptops, if it weren't for the fact that I could have massive collections of things digitized that they don't take up space. This is crap. I think a lot of minimalists couldn't really be minimalists if it wasn't for technologies that allow for digitization. There's no way that Seneca had any fucking clue about the idea of, oh, gee, if I could just have uh, you know, this device that that holds millions of books in the palm of my hand. No, he didn't think of that. Nobody would think about that. Maybe Napoleon. He had that funny book, right, where it was like a, that he would carry with him on campaigns, where it was kind of like <laughs> sort of a, a, a not so modern day Kindle. <laughs> Obviously not electronic, but it had all these mini books in it. Um, I could talk about that during tech history at some point. It's actually an interesting story. Uh, but I mean, look, they, they didn't have that. And I think that's where, you know, at the time back then in the time of Seneca, you know, when we're talking, uh, you know, first century and, and, you know, a little beyond that. OK, at the time or when Stoicism, you know, really had a lot of purchase in its original form, uh, which it did for, you know, a few hundred years, you know, a little little before little BCE and then into CE um, until eventually Stoicism pretty much just became Christianity, which, again, not. Not saying that that's a problem, but hmm. uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, so at the time, you know, yeah, not having a ton of possessions was a popular idea, uh, you know, then because I mean, look, most people didn't. Well, let's just say property was a very different thing back then. Very, very, very different thing. Uh, it is not the same way that you think of it now. And that's part of the reason that I don't think really a lot of stoicism applies anyway, because a lot of the underlying concepts that people have um, t 
today of how the world is supposed to work and, you know, self-ownership and property and a lot of this other crap weren't really concepts at the time. Uh, I, I mean, they, they they just weren't. I mean, understand this. So Seneca specifically. OK. Yeah. I mean, we were talking Roman Empire and all this. Uh, a lot of the 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 great ancient Western cultures of their day. I, I put that all in air quotes. You have to understand the way that they talked. You have to know something about their language. I'll agree with Tim that reading this stuff in English is is kind of a weird thing. And it comes off weird. There's a reason it comes off weird, because the way that they talked, the way that like, for example, the concept of luck. OK. Luck, they wouldn't we talk about luck as in kind of, you know, when we say somebody's lucky or that you, you uh, yeah, just when we say somebody's lucky, we're talking about it as if, you know, it, it's just like an attribute of the person or that, you know, it, it's like happenstance, like you know, there's nothing, you know, it's a, it's an after effect. It's no big deal when the ancients, when like the Romans or the Greeks would talk about something like luck or fortune or something like that. They talk about it like it's an ethereal being, like it's something outside of you. I mean, you, you got to understand these people really did. They, I mean, right down to their language, they thought about things in some different ways than you do today. You know, their concept of an adjective, their adjectives were, you know, just pick any adjective. Their adjectives were generally considered like to be a thing that people could access. I mean, you know, to use another Star Wars analogy, like, I mean, they thought of, you know, it being like the force. You know, so when they talk about like attributes that people have, they're not just talking about attributes. They're talking about like this, this ethereal, you know, I mean, this is why they're, you know, you, you have, uh, you know, polytheism and, and all of that in the, you know, because, yeah, there's a God of this, a God of this, a God of this, because these are things that something must be controlling. They are not inherently a part of you. So, I mean, that, that that's problem number one. <laughs> I mean, or, well, that's problem number zero, maybe, with stoicism itself, is because the, the, the concepts of the human condition are vastly different from what we consider today. You know, now when you describe something about somebody, it's, you know, we generally in English, we recognize it as being as something that's uh, that's innate, that's inborn. It's a part of the person comes out of the person as to where they thought the, you know, the Romans and the Greeks. They thought completely differently. They thought that it was something that kind of existed outside of you and that maybe you had access to. OK, not like the Akashic record, nothing like that, but kind of a similar in the in the abstract sense, I guess. Uh, anyway, so all right, I want to read this next part here. Practice poverty. Or Sorry. So my main point is, OK, is that I think if people couldn't digitize a whole bunch of shit, minimalism would be a whole fuck a lot harder and you wouldn't have so many people espousing it today. You just wouldn't. Um, here we go. Practice poverty, especially during prosperous times in your life. The Stoics believe you should practice poverty. This is how you prepare for hardship and become an expert in dealing with the ups and downs of life. Comfort can become a form of slavery because you consistently start to think that someone could take away what you have. When you're familiar with what you fear, it no longer controls you. The worst can happen and you go through it with a sense of calmness and ease. People think you're resilient, but actually you just practice the hard times as preparation. Um, 
Okay, and and well, I'll read this. Says, Quick tip: Try eating a really cheap meal for a whole week every two months. Eat like you have almost no money. This will teach you to not only appreciate the nice meals, but to be okay if you ever face poverty and have to live on very little money for a while. I know a few people that do a beans and rice meal for this for, for this week of living it rough. Try it. No, don't don't you dare. Motherfucker, if you're doing good, if you've got a good job, you're making good money, you go fucking live it up. What the hell? You don't need to eat shit to appreciate what you have now. You just don't. You can look, you I mean you can read a story, you can figure things out through reason alone. Holy shit, those 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 Big Macs at McDonald's. Woo! I said, oh, sorry, I shouldn't have said McDonald's. Those Big Macs aren't healthy. Don't go eating it. You know, you don't have to, you don't have to go living on the cheap. This is this whole notion of practicing poverty that is, this is such Christian nonsense. Uh, I mean, and really like Paul said the same thing that he could live with much and he could live with little and he learned how to be comfortable with both. Fine. That's great to be able to, to, to adapt and handle a situation, but that should not require any kind of fucking practice. That is ridiculous. Um, if you are doing very well in life, fucking flaunt it, show it, let it happen. You don't have to, you know, some people, they, they don't, they, they live, you know, they live in a degree of poverty. And the one argument for, for say, even if you're prosperous to live like you're in poverty, the one argument, he didn't even bring it up. The one good argument, in my opinion, for that, uh, in fact, there's a great book called the millionaire next door where they live like a pauper, but it's kind of a security blanket. It's so that you don't know. You know, or it's so that they stay rich, right? They they do uh, extreme saving or something like that. There's great arguments for living in poverty. Stoicism is not one of them. And I don't mean poverty, you know, but like living simply, you know, maybe not being so ostentatious or flamboyant or something. Yeah, there's arguments for that, but it's not stoicism. If you're doing well and you want to live it up, there is no moral ethical code that says you shouldn't do that. No, motherfucker, you go live that shit up. This is the, the, another one of the key areas where stoicism just, I mean, it just falls apart. No, no, it's not a good idea. There, there's no, what part of the good life is, ah, yes, I shall, I shall live like the pauper this week. Uh, isn't that, is, I mean, no, you know, in fact, you know what that really is? That's fucking insulting. That's insulting to people who can't help it in many ways. You know, uh, I mean, I mean, and I get it when poor people start ripping on the on the wealthy when they want to live in their tiny houses because they say, oh, well, that's nice that you have the choice. I don't even have the fucking choice on whether or not I get to live in a tiny house or I live in a box or something good for you. I mean, you're being an asshole. Doing that shit. Living austere. It's fine to live austere, but let's just be clear. It's not some kind of like philosophical, you know, precept. You can live however you want. I'm not saying, you know, to do anything different. I'm just saying that that also there's no order that's telling you, oh, you should practice poverty. Yeah. No. Excess is best. Fucking live it up. When people put these kind of artificial restrictions on themselves, you know, uh, uh, based upon the idea that, oh, this will lead me to the good life instead of it's just because you answered the question, what do I want? You run into all kinds of trouble. The, the, the madness. Uh, okay, sorry. <laughs> Maybe that wasn't the most uh, 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 philosophical rebuttal to that, but that that should be fucking obvious. 
You know, I mean, yeah, don't put any faith in finery, right? That's that that's an old saying. Sure. But then, you know, also don't put any faith in poverty. Don't put any like like don't hold up poverty as some kind of like moral virtue. That's not that that's that's that is just such crap on its face. Okay, you protect every reading on you protect everything you have. Why not your mind? You don't give away your wallet to a stranger on the street. You don't hand. Wait a minute. I thought you were supposed to give away your wallet. He said he gave he he got rid of his possessions. What the fuck is this contradiction? Yay stoicism. You don't hand the keys to your car over to a, a budding thief. You wouldn't let your house be demolished by the council without a fight. So why would you hand over the keys to your mind so easily to any stranger who wants them? All right, this argument is a real problem here because everything he's saying, what you wouldn't do this, you wouldn't do this, but he's been telling you to do that the whole fucking time in the article. Whatever. Um So why would you hand over the keys to your mind so easily to any stranger who wants them? You have to become aware of who you are unconsciously giving your mind over to. You need to realize who is influencing you in a negative way without knowing it. Quote, your mind can create all the abundance you could ever imagine. So you need to protect it like it's the only possession you have. End quote. All right. I I don't necessarily have a problem with what he's saying. Absolutely. You know, practice mental self-defense by by all fucking means. Again, I could show you a billion other philosophies that this is a part of. It's not just stoicism. Stoicism is not special when it comes to, you know, saying this sort of thing. But even then, that that still sounded very much like it was getting to law of attraction, the secret Rhonda Byrne kind of bullshit. Uh, But whatever. Yeah. Be conscious. Have intentionality. Sure. That's great advice from a ton of different philosophies. Next one. Um, don't wreck the purpose of your life by trying to impress others. The Stoics teach that the opinions of people you seek, uh, you seek are to, or to impress are not that great themselves. Uh, these people you seek to impress have addictions, their own problems and are no wiser than the next person. The purpose of your life is to, is not to impress people and doing so will have the opposite effect. Focus on impressing yourself through personal growth and wisdom from people who serve the, let me read this. Focus on impressing yourself through personal growth and wisdom from people who serve the greater good. Go beyond yourself and avoid the need to seek approval. Take action and seek forgiveness later if you must. Uh, what, what the fuck is the greater good? Can someone describe to me what greater good means? Like, here, here's a problem. Like, okay, this is what happens when you break things down simply. I don't know the simple concept of what the fuck the greater good is. Now, I agree that if there's a greater good as in, I mean, here, I'll try and define greater good. It's something outside of yourself that um, you wish to, uh, I don't know, make happy or make whole or something like that. Um, yeah, you are, you know, you're, you're, the statement could be made. This is kind of an Ayn Rand statement that I sort of agree with. You know, you're no good to everybody else unless you're your best self. You know, like this is the argument for for why it's a good thing to be selfish or self-serving, because when you're at your best and that can be, you know, that's kind of a subjective, a subjective thing, whatever your personal best is. okay, Uh, it's subjective to you. And, you know, if you're not your best, you're you're not the best for the people you care about. Sure, I get that. That that makes sense. Guess what? That's not stoicism like like that. That's not inherently a part of stoicism. Uh, Once again, if if that's what he's even saying, 
because yeah, I don't know what the hell this greater good is. Uh, now, Stoicism, I think, does teach the concept of a greater good, which is part of the reason why it wants you thinking for tomorrow. And one of the one of the the outcropping statements that doesn't get said in this way necessarily by any of the Stoics, but it's one of the outcropping statements from Stoicism is you leave the world a better place than you found it. You have where, where, where did that rule come from? Says who? Who the fuck says that I need to do that? Like, where, where does that concept even, like, what does that derive from? Could you, you know, please measure that on a stick. I, I don't understand. Why? What what requirement is there of me to do that? Because I was born? Because my mother was good to me or something? That I have to do such and such and such and such? That doesn't sound like uh, something that allows for growth of the individual. It's a it's a. I mean, I, I know most libertarians and anarchists generally get it that this idea of a greater good of like a social contract or something is bullshit. Well, here you go. It's a central part of stoicism. Reading on without proper training, you're a fool. If you seek to master a skill, then without proper training, you will by default rely on ignorance and you'll act in a way that lacks discipline and requires chance. Quote, an investor without discipline is not an investor. He's a gambler, end quote. And that's by Ryan Holiday. Finally, he gives credit to one of these quotes. I'm beginning to think maybe they're all just him. But <laughs> but anyway, uh, sure, absolutely. If you want to master a skill, you've you've got to work on it. You've got to, you've got to put in the practice. You've got to put in the time. You've got to put in the training. What part of a philosophy is that? that that's just, that's fucking how the, if you want to be able to throw a football well, I mean, you could, you know, there's there's luck that you could have amazing genetics that make you really good and somehow your hand is perfectly shaped to throw a football. Uh, but generally, you're going to have to work at it. And that's just biology. Like, that's that's not an ideology. That's not a, that's not a, a philosophy. That's just a fact. <laughs> like, that's just a part of of, who, of, of, of you know, you, who you are. You, you know, I mean, that like that, that. Like I said, that's a biological universal, for lack of a better term. It, it's just it's just a part of your biology it has nothing to do with what's in your brain. Well, I mean, it does, but, you know, it's nothing to do with what you're uh, more consciously thinking, I guess you could say. Um, all right. Next one. Your mind becomes what you think consistently. Whether you think whether you think mostly negative thoughts or positive thoughts will determine your default response to any situation. The more we practice negative thinking, the more likely we are to see the world as negative. If we choose to practice nothing, then we also get the same outcome of an influx of negative thoughts. The only wise choice then is to practice seeing the good in everything. Start with being grateful. Okay, being grateful, great idea, great idea. Also, not unique to Stoicism. Uh, and even the everything that I've said is not unique to Stoicism also is not uniquely compiled like it is in Stoicism. All of these concepts exist in whole other ideologies and philosophies together, just like they do in Stoicism. So again, it's not unique. Even even put all together, they're not unique to Stoicism. Uh, sure, be grateful. Um, but no, you know, sometimes situations, things are absolutely objectively bad. Okay, there is no silver lining to look upon Washington, D.C. There just isn't. It sucks. It's negative. It's bad. Don't bother looking at the good in it. It needs to go peacefully, but it needs to go. I have so many negative thoughts. I constantly think things are going to be terrible. The the outcome of having negative thoughts is not you're going to live a negative life. You're going to live a shitty life. No. In fact, the 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 completely other reasonable uh, outcome of having negative thoughts is that you live for the moment. 
you know, you live now and you enjoy and you take in a lot of happiness right away and you don't bother like investing into the future and things like this. And now I'm not saying that that's right or wrong. I'm just saying that it is not it is not a certainty that if you think negative thoughts and if you know, if, if you don't try to constantly look for the silver lining and things um, that your life is going to be shit. No, actually, the exact opposite can happen. You can be live a very, very happy life. You can be fucking night and day, you know, and, and still think that the world sucks ass. It's ridiculous. I mean, and all you need to do is use reason to understand that that could happen. I mean, and there's a million people you could talk to who live just that way. Crazy. So, okay, that's horseshit. Let's see. Um, next one. You don't know everything. This is a thought that many people secretly have when they claim they want to learn something new. The harsh reality is that many of us walk around as though we know everything. We know nothing of the infinite knowledge there is to uh, there is to acquire. That sort of humbleness is where all the best learning starts from. Thinking less of yourself is the ultimate power. It's where you can grow from and serve others. It's this way of thinking that births leaders. Woo! Okay. Yeah. You can't know everything. You know, the, the, the beginning of knowledge is knowing that you know nothing. Sure. Yep. That nothing wrong with that. Once again, not, not inherent to stoicism whatsoever. Uh, here's a problem. Thinking less of yourself is the ultimate power. It's where you can grow from and serve others. Obviously that notion of, Oh wait, why do I have to serve others? Now that is a part of stoicism, but I need you to explain to me, why do I need to serve others? You don't need to, you need to serve yourself. In fact, he's, he's even contradicting himself here when he's not talking about giving over your mind and all that. But anyway, thinking less of yourself is the ultimate power. That is horseshit. Crap. No. Don't. Modesty. Look, modesty is not a virtue. Do you understand? Be honest with yourself and in your speech of who you are. If you're sexy, fucking you're sexy. Let it rip. Let everybody know if you're good at video games, if you're whatever it is, you're, if you're if, if you think you're a great writer, if you know wh- whatever it happens to be, it's not boasting if you can back it up. OK, and, and just let it fly. Do not think less of yourself. That doesn't even make sense. There's no power in that. There's power in recognizing just how amazing you are and you are amazing. But stoicism is like, oh, just be humble. <laughs> no, people being humble is why they put up with so much shit in their life. That's why negative crap happens to you, because you're not loving yourself enough. You're not, you know, you're not acquiring your, your the real ultimate power that you have, which is thinking well of yourself, not less thinking highly of yourself. Now, I mean, you don't want to bullshit yourself, but thinking less doesn't, you know, thinking more than less of yourself does not equate that you're thinking of bullshit. That, you know, that, that, that you're, you're, you're faking it until you're making it or something. Okay. Thinking fully of yourself and being proud of yourself. Pride goeth before fall. No. Pride goeth before happiness, perhaps. I mean, there's nothing wrong with being proud of what you do, of what you can achieve, of what you've done, of what you've built, of what you've created, of what you of what you've gone through. Pride is good. If you don't have pride, you're not recognizing shit that's going on in your in your brain. This is the worst advice I've ever read. <laughs> I mean, this is just be meek. Oh, yes, the meek shall inherit the earth. Yeah, okay, that's how things have worked out. Uh-huh. No, the 
the proud are going to inherit the stars. That's where I'm going. I'm proud of what humans have achieved. I'm proud of what I've achieved. I'm proud of what my friends have achieved. I'm, I'm proud of the people I love, what they've achieved. I am so proud, and I tell them all the time. And I want, and I love it. I get, ter- you know, I'll tell you. When a woman, when she knows what she's got, that is such a turn on. Confidence is the ultimate in sexy. Not thinking less of yourself, having that confidence saying, oh, I know I'm fucking hot or I know I'm, I'm brilliant, or I know I'm this, whatever, turns me the fuck on like no tomorrow. Man, I love that when a person knows their stuff, knows, knows themselves. Think less of yourself. By no means. You think goddamn highly of yourself. And, you sh- and I, I can say this. You should. You're listening to this. You're something special, in my opinion. Take that for what it's worth. Next. Think of your problems in relation to the sky. What? Marcus Aurelius says that the stars wash away the dust of earthly life. This stoic concept is a way for you to clear your mind of all the troubles you encounter day to day. In comparison, your problems are so small compared to the immense size of the universe. Your problems don't matter matter in the grand scheme of things. So don't fool yourself into believing they do. Look at the stars once in a while. Remember how lucky we are even to experience this planet we call Earth. Okay, sure. I, you know, personally, I'm a huge believer in the galactic perspective. Okay. Meaning that think galactically. Don't just think about the earth. You are a part, or I mean, think universally if you want, uh, you know, think in the scope of the universe. Like, okay, how big is this? How, how much does it really matter? Here's the thing is that there, this isn't a contradiction, but your ideas, your words, Things that you do have ramifications that go throughout history. That'll go throughout the future. They really, you really do. Everything you, all the little things you do. I mean, you know, it's the butterfly effect, right? So with that in mind, like your actions are not necessarily infinitesimally small. Okay. There's problems that you can look at through the galactic perspective and say, okay, how is this going to affect things overall? And you can try and guess, and you know, that, that can give you some perspective, but to say that your actions are small, no, that's more of that. Oh, you're nothing. You know, you're, you're just this little ant. No, you're not. You really are something special and amazing. And it's not because of some God. It's not because of, I don't know pick whatever supernaturalism you want, you want to pull out of, you know, pull out of your ass. It has nothing to do with that. You are special because you have agency. You can, you can express intentionality and that intentionality can be felt throughout eternity. That is remarkable. That is an awesome power to consider, but you are not small. Don't let anybody tell you that. You know, I love the, believe me, I love those, those maps where it's like, oh, you are here and it's, you know, or I love the whole pale blue dot and like how everything happens on this pale blue dot. Yeah. That, get, that doesn't mean that you're small. It's just giving you perspective of this is the, this is your neighborhood. Okay. Right. It's just giving you perspective, but that perspective does not mean that everything you do doesn't matter. And I, I mean, well, you could argue certainly from like a, a, um, like a optimistic nihilism or something, which I think is fine. You know, you can think from that perspective that what we do really doesn't matter, you know, kind of in, in the grand scheme, but 
in in the end, that doesn't mean that you're small because really your small actions can actually have major, you know, huge ramifications. It's not a guarantee that they will, but they can. And so there's no reason to think small of yourself. You know, I mean, yeah, I think it's a good idea to to to, to have that galactic perspective. Absolutely. But that's really not even what stoicism's talking about. Um, it, it's it's really kind of preaching a certain meaningless meaninglessness. And that's why you want to care about the future and blah, blah, blah. And oh, it's, it's all so bad. Anyway, um. Next one. There, there aren't many more because I, I want to wrap this shit up. I, I have things to do. <laughs> so forget stereotypes and labels. Concentrate on character. Stoics believe your character should be your most prominent feature. Outward traits such as skin color and clothing should be insignificant. Your character is defined by the work you do on yourself each day and the person you become. Um, your character is what sells you as a person better than any other external force. Your character is your legacy. Your character is what you want to be known for. Uh, this is a part of stoicism that I, that I agree with also again, not unique, but, uh, yeah, that, that I, I, or that I kind of agree with. Um, I mean, I agree that, you know, it should be, you should be defined by actions more so than anything. Uh, but that doesn't mean that let's not pay attention to genuine problems that exist within the human condition today within civilization and society uh, that may have to do with skin color and other things. Okay. Yeah. You can ignore like, so, you know, you can see a, a black person and the fact that they're black doesn't matter to you. Right. Like, like that it, you're still going to treat them like a decent human being and all that. Great. But that doesn't mean ignore the fact that um, that's not how everybody, that how a lot of other people may not feel. And I don't know how many white nationalist marches we need to prove that. Okay, yeah, that's fine. Get beyond all this shit. You know, what what a person's actions and character, that's what matters. Yep, absolutely. Uh, guess what? It also, does, gender doesn't matter either. You know, it's all about actions and character. Absolutely. Yeah, but, oh, if you mention gender, those Stoics are going to get awfully fucking pissed. No, 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 gender matters. Oh, no, no, because women are inferior or something. Uh, <laughs> so, but, yeah, no, I, I'm I'm on board with this. But that doesn't mean ignore the fact that there are very real problems related to, um, you know, these traits that you consider to be insignificant. They are out there. They are real. So just want to make that very clear. Uh, don't sit on or not that they are very real, but the the uh, the the, the ramifications, uh, the consequences are very real of these what you consider, again, to be insignificant traits. Next, don't sit on the sidelines. Do something inspirational yourself. You can sit here all day and listen to me inspire you. You can watch all the inspirational videos that YouTube has to offer. I love those. Uh, what would be far better is to go out there and inspire people yourself rather than being inspired. Take the inspiration you've gathered in your life and do something with it so you can allow others to create their own inspirational journey. Be the example rather than only listening to the example and saying, quote, one day I'll do that, end quote. All right. That, that's not stoicism at all. Like that. That's just him talking out of his ass. And there's nothing really wrong with that. But there's there's nothing there's there's nothing about that. That's that's like stoic. <laughs> OK, uh, there is never an end to the personal development journey. You never reach mastery. The student never stops being a student. Even the teacher is still a student at heart. Uh, again, there's nothing about that. That's stoicism. Uh, stoicism is something you apply consistently and it never ends. You apply it until the day you die. And that's how you gain the infinite wisdom it offers. Quote, you'll never drink all the water in the ocean, just like you'll never learn everything there is to know about stoic philosophy. And that's fine, too. End quote. Um, OK, but again, that has nothing to do with stoicism. That's that's not like that's not a philosophy uh, reading on work is good for you. Oh, boy. 
Ever heard that when people retire, they are statistically more likely to die within a few years of achieving this milestone in their life? That's because work gives us a sense of purpose. Work gives us a reason to get up in the morning. Making progress through doing meaningful work feels good. Too much idle time and the delusion that you can get rich and sit on a beach is what can cause you to feel empty inside. This feeling can cause you to have self-destructive thoughts that lead to an immense focus on one's selfish desires and need for significance. In other words, work is good. Horseshit. Horseshit. No, I mean, I'm not saying productive achievement isn't a good thing or something like that. Uh, But this idea that, you know, people like to base that statement upon the fact that statistically you're more likely to die within a few years of achieving uh, where you don't have to worry you can retire. uh, And that's because you're not working anymore. And so you've lost meaning. Uh, That's because as a child you had your intrinsic motivations beaten out of you. Probably that's a sad statement to make, but it's a fact. That's why not because they're not working. No, they should be able to fucking play all or, you know, if they can, if, the, you know, if, if whatever the conditions are allow for it, they should be able to play all day if they fucking want. Work has nothing to do with that. That's crap. That, that is a dumb ass statement coming from somebody who has no actual real basis in philosophy. Of course, I would argue that stoicism it doesn't ever. Well, I mean, as a basis, but it's not a very good one. Uh, so so that that that's nonsense. Work is good for you. I mean, it can be. I'm not saying it can't be, but it's not. Work isn't some virtue. Like it, It's just not, you know, your intrinsic motivations. That's another story. But you don't have those anymore. And that's why when suddenly you retire, you've lost all meaning. That's because society took the meaning away from you. It's not because work is somehow an inherent good that that's crazy. Uh, next, don't make life harder than it is. It's your choice. Choices, choices are what make Stoics believe are choices are what Stoics believe are the way to take a shortcut in life. They believe we can choose whatever we want, including happiness, freedom, respect, and feelings of being wealthy. The reoccurring theme here again is that we are in control of everything that happens and how we feel. Yeah, I mean, they're just, you know, it's just reiteration of what he was saying earlier that, oh, if you just think positively about it. Yeah, if you're living out of a box, yeah, you have every right to do that, and that's fine. But seriously, if if you think that's okay, and you don't want to change that, I I think something's 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 up upstairs. Something something's not right. Okay, I mean, you, you can choose it, you know. And look, I mean, like I've talked about, it, I lived out of a truck. I loved living out of a truck. That's a whole lot different than living out of a box. Whole lot different. I mean, like, no, you know, there and and get angry about it. If you're in a life situation that you don't like, get fucking angry about it. I don't care what Tim says here. I don't care what stoicism says to do to look at the silver lining. Fuck the silver lining. Rip that silver lining right fucking off. Hop in the cloud like Mario and go fucking, you know, go all the way to Bowser's castle. Take out Bowser. Be the king of the castle. Ridiculous. Next, how you handle disaster is everything. The way you deal with problematic situations is a true test of your character. Character in stoicism is not formed when everything is going right. Character is formed when everything is going wrong. Don't let problems spoil your mindset. Let optimism guide you in all situations. Okay, sure. There's nothing wrong. Like, there's nothing wrong with, with, you know, okay, well, when a disaster happens, you know, we got to get out of this and and I'll get beyond it. Um. But I think to ignore the negatives and only focus on the positives, 
uh, you are just going to be stuffing away all kinds of traumas that will have that could have very real health issues. You cause very real health issues in, in the future. Um, no, feel the grief, feel the grief, feel the loss. Go through that. Cry. Do do all of that. Do do not do not go through life. Just so like, oh, I always you know, I, I actually I have a personal saying, you know, and my, my saying is that if you always look on the bright side, you'll go blind. Don't don't. <laughs> do not just like oh I'll just always be optimistic I mean you can be like a generally optimistic person like honestly even though I have tons of negative thoughts I'm still a very optimistic person because I still do so many things in life that make me happy okay uh, but you know so you can have that more optimistic outlook but the idea of like sacrificing the negative no I want to feel the anger when I feel it when something makes you know or when 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 I something causes or when I feel mad about something, I shouldn't say makes. Uh, but when 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 I feel mad about something or whatever, I mean, I want to, you know, I need to feel it. I don't have to take it out on anybody else. There's no requirement to take it out on everybody else. But I, I'm going to feel it inside. Absolutely. And there's nothing wrong with that. Seek out obstacles. Here's the next one. Obstacles are a way for you to take a challenge that you may not like and use it as a lesson that you that can help you for the rest of your life. You learn from hardships above all else. Lessons from hardships make you smarter, stronger, and better prepared for when adversity strikes again. No, uh, here's a simple question. If humans could live in some kind of pseudo, and emphasis on the word pseudo, if humans could live in some kind of pseudo post-scarcity life with replicators and all this other horseshit, um, like really, not here, I'll, I'll make it easy for you. Do you really want your kid to go through some kind of hardship? There, I did the appeal to children. Do you really want your kid to go through any hardships or would you rather have your kid like really enjoy life and all that stuff? If your answer is anything other than the latter, that you want them to be happy and going through life, uh, what the hell's wrong with you? I don't care if right now that's how things work. That doesn't, if that's how, look, understand if right now, you know, going through some hardships gets you through life and, and you know, and, and, and allows you to face this very fucked up world that we live in, um, just because that statement may be true does not mean that it's an inherently good thing or that it's the natural condition of humanity or that that's something we should aspire for. Doesn't mean that at all. But apparently that's part of stoicism. Who knew? No, you don't have to go through hardships. That's there's no there's no like I don't I don't I don't even understand that. I don't want anybody to go through any hardships. Do you No. Oh, good. So then why is it a part of stoicism? Next, you have one job and only one job. The Stoics have a core belief that all of us have only one job on planet Earth to be a good human being. I'll just stop right there. All right. No. All right. All right. I'll, I'll read this because this is the end of it. If you learn nothing else about stoicism from this blog post, then I've succeeded. Practice being a good human being and you'll have one hell of a life. I'm going to read the sentence again. The Stoics have a core belief that all of us that all of us have only one job on planet Earth to be a good human being. Says fucking who? Where did this job come from? This is what I've been saying forever and nobody pays it every I've been asked to be on shows to talk about stoicism and hedonism and to talk about and I bring this point up all the time is that stoicism inherently is about a life of service to other humans. Where is the requirement for that? 
Where's the metaphysical requirement? Where's the philosophical requirement? Where does that come from? Who says I have to be a good human being? God? There's no God. Who says? We're all connected, man? No, we're not. What am I thinking right now? Wrong. This, yes, he's right. Here's 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 where he's dead on. The Stoics have a core belief that all of us have only one job on planet Earth to be a good human being. If you learn nothing else about Stoicism from this blog post, then I've succeeded. As long as you've learned that you need to be a good human being, that's the point. Where where does this need come from? Describe it to me. I need to know that I, I need to know the philosophical foundation where the need to be a good human being, where that is a requirement. Tell me where that comes from to live a good life. I guarantee you there are people who are doing horrendous, horrible fucking shit to other human beings and they are happy as fuck. I'm not coming out with any kind of moral subjectivism or anything, but I'm just saying they are doing things in their life that are giving them a good time. They are wealthy. They are having all the things that that Tim wants or talked about or whatever. What the fuck is the good life? I didn't even get a definition of that. No, it's you say, well, look, it's not that simple. No, he told me it's that simple. I am being informed that stoicism is the idea that there are simple theories, uncomplicated theories about life. No, I'm telling you that. Okay, where does this need come from? What the fuck is the good life to find that for blah, blah, blah. I mean, there's a million questions that I have. Why do I have all these questions? Because life is complicated. It's not simple. And if you believe all of this crap, this is how you end up with so many. Seriously, this is how you end up with all of the tragedies that you have now. This is how you end up with, uh, you know, religions running roughshod and, 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 you know, on, on the human mind. Oh, your religion's not a tyranny. The other ones are. Well, the other ones get to use the same foundation as stoicism. Okay. Um, you know, this is how governments come into being because there's some kind of greater good. No, there's not. Everything gets measured by the individual. The individual is everything, but each individual is just as important as the other individual. Do you understand? I know that's, that's the part, that's the paradox that people can't seem to grasp in anarchism and libertarianism, I guess. Because if they grasp that, they take stoicism and say, wait, I need to be a good human being so that other human beings, so that we can all live the good life and all they they would just toss it out. What's this greater good? They toss it out. There is nothing there is nothing uniquely helpful about stoicism. It's just not there. I know there's people who like again, there's certain things you take from stoicism that are helpful. That's great. Like I said, really, that's great. I'm not I'm not insulting you. I'm certainly not I don't mean to insult anybody listening to the sound of my voice right now. Okay. Uh, but I bet that those things that, you know, you find that you found uh, helpful are not unique to stoicism. I, I, I'd put money on that. So there you go. I, <laughs> I wanted to thrash this damn thing uh, and, and, and hopefully I, I did a good job and I did one of my longer Patreon episodes that I've ever done. Um, but boy, I, I'm so glad right at the end he hits at it that, 
yeah, you know, <laughs> you have one job on planet Earth, be a good human being. No, there, that's no requirement. That is not, you, that can't be an underpinning of a philosophy because there's no requirement for that. Show me where that requirement is. You have to be a, a good human being to be happy? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think you can be a complete asshole and be happy. I've seen them. I've seen people, even in libertarianism and anarchism, I've seen the worst of humanity. And they're still the worst in humanity. And they still get treated like gods. And, they, and, and they're still, you know, they, they, I mean, you could say, well, they're not really happy or something. Well, they're, they're doing a lot of the things that, uh, that would make me happy. So by my definition, you know, you know there, there's a happiness there, right? And if my perspective is everything, which is also something Stoicism is saying, um, well, then, then Stoicism runs into a lot of logical loops that it can't break free from. And it's a fucking mess of a philosophy. So anyway, if you've ever looked into stoicism, I hope I gave you at least food for thought. I gave you things to consider that, wait a minute, that doesn't make any goddamn sense. Uh, hopefully, maybe it didn't. Maybe I'll lose patrons over this. I don't know. But I am, I am so tired of what I consider to be harmful, harmful ideas that actually go against what stoicism supposedly is all about. It's all about freedom of choice, but then, you know, there's like a set version of what you're supposed to do. You have a job on planet earth. Wait a minute. <laughs> I thought I had a choice. No, instead I have a job and it's not just the way he phrased it. You can rephrase that any way you want, but that, that brings up the point that I've made for years is that stoicism puts upon you a responsibility. And again, I'll say it one last time. That responsibility has no basis in fact or science. Where the fuck does that come from? What is this? What is this responsibility that you're talking about? I don't know. The only responsibility I know is for me to be happy. That's not even a responsibility. Even that's a choice. I think the meaning of the purpose of life is to be happy. Um, I think the, <laughs> I think the first term human virtue is disobedience. Those all seem to stand in contrast to socialism. Oh, well, maybe it's just not for me. I'll leave it to you. And uh, of course, more content coming out this week. We got and we'll have a whole new uh, uh, Sovereign Tech. We'll have <laughs> uh, got a doozy of a Sovereign Tech Prime episode. We're going to review Blade Runner 2049. Woo! Talking about being happy. We'll talk about that. Uh, I will see you on the other side.